Welcome back to Becoming Your Best Version. I am host Maria Leonard Olson. You can learn more about me and my work at marialeonardolson.com. I am an attorney, author, journalist, podcaster, radio show host, and someone who generally likes to amplify the voices of inspiring women around the world. Today, we're lucky to have Dr. Carrie Byrne. She's joining us from Toronto, Canada. She is a researcher, collaborator, and entrepreneur in aging, care, and connection. She is the founder of the Long Distance Grandparent, a mission-driven business helping grandparents strengthen relationships with their grandchildren, no matter the distance between. Dr. Byrne launched an online monthly membership program called the Long Distance Grandparent Society to support grandparents in their journey to create fun and meaningful moments with their grandchildren through intentional and purposeful grandparenting. It's the only program like it in the world and Carrie built it based on her 20 plus years experience as a research scientist in the area of aging and care. Drawing on her personal and professional experience, Carrie is focused on improving intergenerational relationships within families because these relationships impact everything from mental health to ending ageism. She shares practical research-backed strategies through her blog, email newsletter, speaking engagements, and membership program. Carrie is a mom to two little boys and all the grandparents in their lives are at a distance. She recently moved back home from Dubai to Canada after living abroad for the last five years. Her website and social media contacts are in the show notes, but in short, go to thelongdistancegrandparent.com to connect with her and follow her extraordinary work. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much, Maria, for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Well, I just, by dumb luck, came across your work on LinkedIn. We have, I believe, some mutual friends who were highlighting some of the work that you do. And it just struck me as so meaningful and needed in today's global nomadic society that someone help us to maintain these connections. So how did you get started in this work? Well, I've always been interested in connecting generations. So that is something that has been a theme throughout my work, probably since I started university and first learned, you know, what gerontology is. So when I started my career back when I was about well, career, schooling back when I was about 19 or 20, I wanted to be a child uh, psychologist. And then I just happened to take a night class because it fit in with my work schedule. Uh, it was something called gerontology. I had no idea uh, what it was, um, but I took the class because it was at seven o'clock at night and it was the study of the aging population and being quite a keener at the time, we were offered bonus points if we volunteered in a nursing home. And so I thought, okay, I'll go and do that. And I, I really do kind of credit that moment as uh, something that shifted my career because I worked with uh, older adults and 
I don't know, there was the, the stories that were told, the wisdom uh, that was around me. I just wanted to kind of eat up everything that I could about their lives, but also about a, a burgeoning field at the time, which was gerontology. And so I spent, I guess, over 20 years in university setting, working across different research uh, institutions and universities, thinking that I would be a tenure track professor. And um, I don't know, I went all the way. I did a fellowship and loved it. I loved the research, uh, but realized that the movement from kind of doing the research into seeing it make a difference in someone's life felt just too long for me. Uh, and so I had the opportunity to do some consulting work for a tech startup when I lived out in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And I was just enamored with this idea that I have all this, like I know all of this information about family caregiving. Like that was the topic that I studied at the time. And I can sit down with a group of developers and see it come to life in a product. And so I, you know, for a few years had my own consulting business where I worked with not-for-profits, policy think tanks, uh, and helped them to take research evidence and put it into products and services. Uh, and then I started my own company called The Long Distance Grandparent. And really uh, that one came about mainly because like, when I had my son, uh, he, everybody was at a distance. And I knew the relationship was important, but after seeing how excited everybody was that I had created this small human <laughs> and how dedicated and committed they all were to creating a relationship with him. Uh, and then we got transferred to Dubai. Uh, so we were in Toronto back then, uh, kind of living, uh, you know, not too far away from my side of the family. Uh, and then we kind of became ultra, I call ultra long distance. And I do remember having this moment of thinking, I will not let this relationship suffer with his grandparents because they've all worked so hard to know him uh, and to have this relationship with them. And, you know, it took me a few years to really get the long distance grandparent off the ground. It was really an idea, a blog, uh, something that I wondered if people would be interested in. Uh, and it turns out, turns out they are. And so that's how I started the long distance grandparent with this, you know, deep personal knowledge that this relationship was important. But then also, you know, when you start looking at the kind of grandparent research that's out there, like over 50% of U.S. grandparents live over 200 miles away from a grandchild. And as you mentioned, you know, a lot of global families and I became one of those families. And so I was doing things and seeing how how successful it was in keeping them connected. And I, I just wanted to share that and make sure that nobody kind of had a relationship or kind of got onto a video chat with nothing to say. Like that was my goal in the beginning <laughs> was just to wow. help people with video chats, but it's morphed into a lot more than that. Oh my goodness. This is so useful. And my children as you know, live across the country for me, across the US for me and have no desire to live in the Washington DC area where I mostly live. So I am so interested in learning more about the meaningful ways to stay connected. Could you give us one or two? Sure, well, one of the, uh, and if people have listened to my work before, read anything, you know, I always say that the number one secret to, to grandparenting from a distance is to sweat the small stuff. So I believe somebody years ago wrote a book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Yes. My, my advice is to sweat the small stuff. And the reason is that 
it's in remembering the small details about the people that we're trying to connect with from a distance that they feel heard and known. Uh, you know, we all probably have someone in our life who just for some reason always remembered that we didn't like to eat a certain thing, right? Or that we loved a certain thing. I think about uh, my aunt at our Canadian Thanksgivings. I did not like pumpkin at all. I didn't like pumpkin pie. Mm -hmm. And so she always had a sugar pie on the table Aww. for me. And I, years later, I just kind of look back on that and think that is the kind of, that's the kind of detail that I'm talking about because I always felt really special. So remember what somebody likes or doesn't like on their pizza, as an example, remember that somebody is obsessed with a certain sport and ask them about things that they're interested in, um, things that they've told you about. And I encourage uh, grandparents or grand aunties or anybody trying to maintain a relationship from a distance to keep a cheat sheet. So having a, a journal that you write things down in, because of course, children change their interests, like kind of one or, you know, they can be obsessed with dinosaurs for a year. <laughs> you kind of know more than the Smithsonian about dinosaurs because you've researched it so much, uh, but that's important too when they're even kind of tweens and teens and they're becoming interested in these video games instead of kind of bemoaning their interest in video games, look them up, right? Be able to have a conversation about the things that, the people that you're trying to connect with care about. And through that, you'll be able to share parts of yourself uh, that they otherwise might not have known about either. That is such a good tip. Such a great tip. Thank you for that. I mean, it definitely makes me feel like I matter if someone remembers a small detail about me. Wonderful. Wonderful. So you have this long distance grandparent society. Is it basically only for grandparents? So I have some, I have grand aunties and grand uncles okay. in the membership. And okay. I, I'm open to kind of any grand, you know, friends trying to stay connected to children. The membership is for uh, people with, who are connecting with children ages two to 10. Okay. So, you know, my newsletter, I send out just a free newsletter every week. I blog about things. Um, I do workshops for organizations that speak to kind of the, a broader age group, like connecting to someone of any age, but the membership itself for now uh, is about connecting with grandchildren ages two to 10. So we, uh, every single month, grandparents get what I, I call kind of a digital subscription box. <clears throat> and so they uh, receive about, uh, about 15 to 20 pages and it has snail mail in it to send uh, virtual grand date ideas. And I, I will share another kind of secret in discussing this is that I teach something called the connection loop. And what this is, is that as a, and, and I'll speak broadly, but I tend to focus on grandparents, but if you're trying to stay connected to somebody from a distance, you have three main modes of communication. So you've got you know, some kind of technology or virtual communication. Uh, you have snail mail, good old fashioned letters through the mailbox, uh, and then you have in-person visits. And so what I teach is how do we continually try and connect those three things? So as an example, if you're going to visit a small child, you've got an in-person visit coming up, create some anticipation and send a photo of a pink bag that you're bringing for them. And I mean, it could have a Brilliant. dollar in it, right? So, but just send or video of yourself, you know, mailing something to them. So you're connecting that technology to the mailbox so that they have anticipation, like watch for this 
red sparkly envelope or this purple envelope with googly eyes all over it. You know, watch for this in the mail from Nana. And so that when they, and then when they receive it within the mail, perhaps there's something for you to do together on a video chat. And it does not have to be something complicated. I am the least crafty person. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm talking about like putting a couple of toilet paper rolls in there uh, with, you know, a glue stick so that you can glue them together and make some binoculars, pop some stickers in there, but have those things on your end as well um, so that you can do that together. On, on a video chat. So you can see how you're continually tying, you know, the mail to the video, video to in-person. Um, it really fortifies that connection and in the moments, right? So if you're gonna take the time and spend the money, uh, any of those who are international or even within Canada, it costs so much to send things. But if you're gonna spend the time and money on something in the mail, then I want you to get the most out of it. I want you to create anticipation before, put something in the mail that is for you to do during a call. And in, in the Long Distance Grandparent Society, I make it a lot easier for grandparents to do this. So I give them the mail to send. Uh, and it's not like I'm not giving you kind of a picture of a dinosaur to send to your grandchild. I'm giving you mail that connects. I think that the mailbox is a powerful place to connect with family from a distance because nobody sends real mail anymore. That's what my mm. grandfather, my grandfather called it real mail go to the mailbox yeah. and see if there's real mail in there for me. Uh, and then as part of, as part of the, um, the long distance grandparent society, we also uh, get together every single month and talk about grandparenting from a distance. So other, I, I realized something that just like we weren't meant to parent alone, we, we also were not meant to grandparent alone, you know, done in an intentional way. You've got a, there's a real opportunity for grandparents to have a powerful place in a grandchild's life. And our, I, I really do think that our grandchildren or our children rather need their grandparents now more than ever. Like I a broken completely family. agree. Yeah. You know, so, so many benefits to having this relationship. Yes. It's harder from a distance. It's certainly harder. Uh, it takes more time and effort, but it, it is very possible uh, to have a beautiful relationship with your grandchild from a distance or with any person from a distance. Indeed, in fact, I am slightly envious of my mother's relationship with my children as opposed or compared to my relationship with my children because hers is so much less complicated. She never had talks to about anything that is difficult with them. It's very light and happy and they love her unconditionally, as does she. And though they know I love them unconditionally, there are complications um, from our shared history. And because I'm their mom, just by virtue of being their mom, they've gone through periods where they're annoyed just because I exist, it feels like. <laughs> It, it doesn't end. My, my sons are four and seven, so it's good to know they will always be slightly annoyed with my presence in certain circumstances. <laughs> yeah, it was a very difficult transition for me, which I wrote about in the book, my book, 50 After 50, reframing the next chapter of your life, that I had, I was very much a hands-on mom, and I had great difficulty letting go when they are teenagers, that's part of their job to push away, individuate, and I wasn't ready for it, not at all. So 
Um, I just wrote an article about intergenerational relationships for AARP um, and kind of lamented how wonderful my mother's relationship is with my children and how fraught mine is sometimes. But it is what it is. Well, and I, I think that, I mean, the, the middle generation is so important in facilitating it. So, you know, kudos to you because something that you've done over the years has likely facilitated that beautiful relationship. So you do still have a part and a claim to it. Well, thank you. <laughs> that, you some, that you facilitated a relationship between them because if parents are not willing to kind of be the, you know, they often get called the gatekeepers and it's for a reason especially when children are small, it's, we are the ones that are saying, you know, we're going to call grandpa, we're going to call grandma and have that connection. And so hopefully that bodes well for you in the future, because you've also taught your children about the importance of grandparents and you will, you know, hopefully maybe be a grandparent one day. And so it, it will come back. Like there's a, there's a loop coming back to you, hopefully, uh, for all of the work and effort that you made over the years and keeping them connected. Carrie, you just made my day because I certainly did that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I, I love the work that you do. And I'm so grateful that I found you on LinkedIn. And I would encourage anyone who wants to have a deeper relationship, a deeper personal relationship with someone who lives far from them to check out Carrie's work. I mean, I personally think teenagers are super difficult because mine, well, at least one of mine was very um, confrontational. And so, I mean, her blog includes, her latest blog is about connecting with your tween and teenage grandchildren from a distance. That is a hard thing to do in my experience. So I appreciate you. I appreciate your work. I love what you're putting out in the world. And there's something that I ask all of my guests because I only ask people to be on the show who I find inspiring and whose work I want to amplify and voice I want to amplify in this space. So Carrie, what do you do to become your best version? Well, I'd say that I that over the last kind of 10 years since I left the career that I thought I was going to have and have been forging the career that I now have, I've really, and I'm still learning this, but it's about finding ways to, to embrace and trust in uncertainty. Mm. And so I, I actually learned this from a social entrepreneur years ago that oftentimes through uncertainty is when these kind of magnificent solutions come to play uh, because it's like this noisy space of what are we going to do? What's going to, what does this look like? There's a big problem to solve. We don't know how to solve it. And through that messy uncertainty, you find solutions. And so it is very difficult though, to trust <laughs> that the uncertainty is going somewhere and to be okay in that space, especially if you're somebody who kind of has been taught to think in, you know, I do A and then I do B and then I do C and we all know life doesn't really work that way. And so I think if there's a, if you can kind of find a way to be comfortable with uncertainty that that can help. And secondly, I have to say that I used to dread running, <laughs> really dread it. Like I, and after I had my second son, I was in Dubai. And as you do, I hired a personal trainer and mm. 
Um, and she said, well, let's just go for a quick jog. And she was so lovely that I said, okay, but I don't want to go far. And since then I've been running and not far, but what I would say is that I treat running as a mental health activity. You know, I don't look at it as something that I think the benefits are that it keeps me healthy fitness wise, uh, but I really treat it as a kind of appointment, a therapy appointment with myself. And so that can be a walk as well, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but I feel like I can kind of solve most problems uh, at the end of a half an hour run and either some good music or beautiful podcast with sort of inspiring words, you know, flowing through my brain percolating. So I would say that those are the, you know, the two things that have helped me the most in my journey to become what you have described, which I think we're probably all on. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's a never ending process for me. And I love both of those, those methods of improving one's being and state of mind, because uh, I have difficulty in not knowing and being okay with uncertainty. That is something that I'm working on really hard right now. So thank you. It is tough. I'm not, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. And I'm definitely in the midst of trying, but I do sometimes find it to be a very good kind of affirmation that I am okay with this uncertainty. Right? Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to embrace the uncertainty today. And I don't know, just putting yourself in that frame of mind can help immensely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as far as running goes, I had never run more than two miles before um, several years ago. And then I subsequently built up little by little like five minutes more running, five minutes more running. And I've since run three marathons. Never thought I could do it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I, I didn't think I could do it, but I did. I did Chicago, New York, and the Marine Corps Marathon in DC. Um, I don't suggest it because it's not really good for your body if you like running, because now I have arthritis in my knees. But I love walking now and walk running. So kudos yeah, to and you. It, and it is though very, I think, you know, we think about marathons, like my goal is, you know, three to five kilometers, mm -hmm. just, it's just enough. It's just enough kind of sweat, tears. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to maintain that my goal is not to run a marathon, okay. to, never, to never be inspired enough to run a marathon is kind of the type of person that I am, but <laughs> You know yourself well, and I salute you, and I encourage all of you to take a look at her work, which is in the show notes, because it is very valuable to forge long-distance connections. That's the wave of the future, and I don't think anybody else is working in this space in the way that you do, Carrie, so thank you so much for the light and love that you put into the world. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for having me on this beautiful podcast that you have created. Thank you so much. Thank you.